Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the April 21st edition of the PFF Forecast. This is a fantastic episode. We were originally going to have Evan Silva on. We rescheduled that to Sunday, and that means we got to improvise a little bit. So we're going to do a couple of really fun things. We've got an update on the Justin Fields Syndicate roller coaster. My God, I'll tell the Syndicoaster. The Syndicoaster. We're going to do. Uh, there's a bunch of draft props movement. We're going to talk about draft props, where that changes some of the predictions in the top ten, and then our final what we would do mock is coming out on Monday. So live right here, right now, we are going to get through probably the top ten. We're going to talk about likely trades. Um, and it's going to be awesome. Let's rock. It is draft season, and there's no better place, I promise you, on the planet to come for draft content, projections, mock drafts, the whole deal. The PFF NFL Draft Guide is an absolute treasure trove. It's like the Bible for the draft. You can get it for 30% off right now. It comes with the PFF Edge subscription and use the promo code DRAFT30 at checkout. Get 30% off. That means you pay $28 for an Edge subscription for the whole year. You'll get the draft guide next year. You'll get all the fantasy content rankings, all the premium content through the entirety of next season. It's a phenomenal deal. So go make it happen. And then have your draft guide open. Come check us out for the PFF Draft Show. It is live. It tees off 7 p.m. Eastern on PFF.com. On PFF.com, we will have a live picked tracker. Picks will be coming in before you see them on any other channel. We're going to have highlights. It's going to be me, Eric, Chris, Mike Renner, Darius Butler is flying in from his Tampa uh, resort, which is what it appears he lives on because he's always at the beach. He's going to be here in Cincinnati. Um, The whole crew is going to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll do round one, of course, on Thursday, April 29th, starting at 7 p.m. We'll have rounds two and three on Friday at 6 p.m. Saturday, we're doing a really cool, like, during the round, talking about what happened, rounds um, one through three. That kicks off at 11 a.m. And Sunday, a draft recap at noon. You'll get it all at pff.com. And now we can start the podcast. Notice, Eric, that I did not, I didn't give an update of my, uh, didn't promise an update of the, the, the quad. The thigh update is not coming. You look. It looked like you biked here today. I did. You Recovery. are tough, strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. I'm not even. I'm. There's no injury anymore. We're just. We're moving on. Right. There's also no lie movement 
in the syndicate world either. <laughs> I see, exactly. So I say that to say this is the same attitude that I am taking towards the Justin Fields bet that we've made. Okay, People are losing their minds on Twitter. So to, to recap for people that haven't followed the lines super closely. Was it two weeks ago? You and I sat at this very table. Justin Less Fields. than it was. It was two a week ago, Sunday. So like ten days. Okay, ten days ago. Um, so we weren't even in, uh, not even long enough to be uh, immunized from the coronavirus. That's right. Um, Justin Fields was plus two fifty. You and I went all in after the episode before it had even launched. You drove to the great state of Indiana uh, in order to place an, a sizable investment. Okay, it's plus 250. We're feeling really good about it. He has his second pro day. This thing plummets. It plummeted even before. It was probably where it the started. Num- yeah, yeah. It started. So it yeah. went, let, let me see if I get this right. So it was 250 and then it started creeping out 200 plus 180. And then the pro day moved him into favorite territory. Being the favorite, that's right. Because you had the video, you saw Kyle Shanahan smiling, looking at him. He's fantastic. He did really well. So at that point, what was your mental state like in, with respect to the syndicate? Good, but I do remember us on the last show talking about how we, would we bet it at minus 125, and both of us said no mm-hmm. because we do respect the uncertainty in the marketplace. We do like I do think that there's a decent chance that Mac Jones gets selected here, as much as it would suck uh, for if you're a 49ers oh, oh yeah, fan. For me, um, but I don't feel all that much different than I feel now. Here's why. Okay, well, hold on. We got to keep going. So that that was after the pro day. Okay. Okay. He's now the favorite. Justin Fields is the favorite. I'll tell you where I was at. This is where I, this is where my head was at. My head was why didn't we invest five x right, right, right. what we invested, <laughs> which is probably a good thing now. But this is so now. Yes. Um. Now the the tables have turned a little bit more, probably off of the back of some more mock drafts from people who are insiders. I know Schrager is one of them who had Mac Jones at three, um, people are claiming, look, that they're talking to people who supposedly know things. The Niners are 90% in. I've heard on Mac Jones, a bunch of stuff. So now Mac Jones is minus 150. He was minus 305 back when the syndicate started. Justin Fields is back to plus money. He's plus 160. And Trey Lance is plus 350, was plus 400. So I say all this to say like, are we now going to change the name to the Fields Lance Syndicate? The not Mac Jones Syndicate. The, the anyone but Mac <laughs> yeah, yeah. Syndicate. Well, here's here's an interesting thing. I wonder, this has just been put up on a different sports book. One we won't name. The fourth overall pick. And that is Atlanta or others. Kyle Pitts minus 140. Okay. Justin Fields plus 175. Trey Lance plus two thirty, Mac Jones fifteen to one. Incredible. Panay Sewell twenty four to one. Incredible. And everything else after that doesn't matter. So this is where, and I and I said this on the podcast a while back because remember when we were talking about uh, Mac Jones to San Francisco mm-hmm. and I was like, well, Justin Fields has better odds to go first, yep, and second, yep, and then there were compelling points up, by you up until recently. Like, so when Austin and I did the stream, he was a bigger favorite to go in the top five than Mac Jones was, even though Jones was a bigger favorite to go three. How 
is Justin Fields not the favorite to go four if Mac Jones is an absolute lock to go three? And what I'll answer with is that he's not an absolute lock to go three. And that's why all the people that come out and say, like, our stance is this is far flatter than everybody thinks it is. So if the best player of the three is being offered at two and a half to one, you take it. Everybody else who it's- I... Th- Every, is galaxy branding is, is oh it's a lock it's a lock it's a lock and it's like they're not taking Justin Fields here and it's like no like that's where you profit in this situation you profit off of the uncertainty that many people are consolidating into faux certainty I, I look at this number four overall pick and granted like if I'm Atlanta and I can't trade and Justin Fields is the pick at three I'm taking Pitts. So I understand why he's the favorite. Hmm. But at minus 140, you're telling me that if Mac Jones goes third. Atlanta or another team is taking Justin, Justin Fields, Fields as the four. pick. I am sorry, but enough, yes. the, the hatred towards Justin Fields <laughs> is fucking absurd. Okay, let me take you through this. And I apologize for the, the swearing. I know that some people don't like it. I apologize. But it, it riles me up. It's really infuriating. I want to talk about something that I've heard now over the, the past like two days of Mac Jones hype. And it's the Kyle Shanahan is special. And so if he wants a quarterback that all he will do is stand in the pocket with two good tackles and make the decisions that are right and throw to the people that Kyle Shanahan gets open, then I agree with the decision. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying this is what people are saying. Yeah. You're fucking high if that is your reasoning for why you would take Mac Jones. If your reasoning is because Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than everyone else, he can take the worst player and it's the right pick. You're an idiot. Well, especially because they can't. So, like, the analogy isn't even, like, all the other analogies we've made are actually not even close to being analogous. Like, if I say, look, if you gave me a million dollars and I went into a car parking lot and I said, I'm a good enough driver to make a sob work, okay? I'm taking $900,000 you know, $900, plus $50,000 and I'm gonna spend it on something else after I buy my sob, right? Why the hatred on the, the sob? The, the Niners can't say, well, look, we're really, like, I can, I can coach a quarterback with two hands tied behind my back, so I'm gonna take one-fifth of the third pick and use it on Mac Jones, and use the other eighty percent of the third pick on something. No, this you, is a one. You use or, all of the you're third using pick, the whole fucking pick. and which the two other first. three, the two other ones, and your twelfth pick that it cost you. That's the ridiculous notion. If they do this, it is. And again, I like Mac Jones as a prospect. I would not be offended if he was like the sixth pick in the draft. I just think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are the guy you trade up for. You, they're the they're the they're the top end kind of guys, and Mac Jones is the guy that if you get him at twelve, I'm clapping my hands. Much like we clap our hands for like we clapped our hands for Deshaun Watson at twelve, Patrick Mahomes at ten, even by the way, Dwayne Haskins at fifteen, because it was still a good value despite the outcome. When you trade up, it's why. And our our Silva's coming on with us on Sunday. He did an entire podcast about how stupid the Bears were to trade up get Trubisky. It's like when you trade up, the scrutiny on that pick is immense. And I don't believe that a guy 
who has tasted victory in the Super Bowl twice, once with an elite quarterback who's not one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and one one with an okay quarterback, is going to say, yeah, Mac Jones is good enough. Like I just need more of the same. Yeah, I, that's I just what don't blows my mind is the idea that Kyle Shanahan is sitting there like all the idiots on TV and going, yeah, you know what? What I need to do is replicate the same quarterback play that I've had that has gotten me close. That's that's stupid. And to think that because he's a better I, – I also – I hope that my opinion of Kyle Shanahan does not change dramatically because of this pick because I think he's – the most arrogant and confident play caller and scheme designer in the NFL, and it's deserved. He's amazing. Yeah. I don't think that he is arrogant or overconfident in terms of this situation of drafting in the sense that, like, I would legitimately take a player that just executes. I don't want anyone that has an X factor. I don't want a guy that has top five potential. I want a guy that's actually not there. Like that would blow my mind. But here's a question that I'll, I'll come back to because I've I've said this over and over when I've been on various shows and stuff this week. The John Lynch thing, like Shanahan had to beg John Lynch to draft that Joe Williams guy in round four. Mm-hmm. Every single person who's whether it's been a private DM or like or his message like has said the the older Shanahan is the is the one that's you know that that is the quote leak and I and I, it's probably not right like but but if that's what they're going off of this isn't Kyle's decision right like it's John Lynch's decision right like John Lynch has been in charge of he's he's also in charge of the personnel so Wait, like are you saying that Mike Shanahan is the reason people think Mac Jones is going not here? not Mac Jones. But like I've heard, so the rumors that I've heard on the on the the Lance side are like, are are you know sort of off you know one off messages that their mm-hmm. people are taking. Again, all of these like, like sources, for example, that that Lynch and Shanahan had dinner with his parents. Yeah, yeah, that's one I've heard. Yeah, as well. all of these, Lance's all parents. of these things for one don't make any sense when you sort of add it all up. But they're they're what people are using to bet into these numbers, and what I don't get is. Like, John Lynch is the one making this decision with Kyle in mind. Like, so, like, I just, to me, like, and again, this doesn't mean Justin Fields is the pick. What it means is it's not such that somebody should be a minus 305 favorite or one where even Trey Lance should be all that much more than plus 250, by the way. I think the Lance, the Lance, the Trey Lance syndicate feels right to me. I, I could, I mean, this is, Personally, how I would rank them, Fields, Lance, and then Jones. Um, but if you're thinking about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an analogy here. If you're – so Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are currently dating Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, They're in a relationship with Jimmy G. And you're looking around. You're saying, you know what? I'm not sure that I'm, you know, that I'm satisfied with where we're at right now. And you go, you know what? I'm going to risk it all. <laughs> you don't risk it all for a girl that looks just like Jimmy G. You risk it all for a fucking supermodel. Now, she might be crazy, okay? You got to take a little bit of a chance there, though, okay? And you do your due diligence. You try and find out, is she somewhat normal? You know, let me look at some past history. I'll watch some film. I'll get to know her a little bit. We might go out to dinner, okay? And now I'm ready to risk it all. But you aren't risking it all on, a, on the same chick. 
I don't think so. I mean, but there are, I mean, the thing that tilts me the most about this, I, we bet enough, but not enough to be heartbroken if we lost, right? Like I'm fine if, if this bet loses. What tilts- I'm not, you know why? <laughs> it won't be about the money. Yeah, yeah, It'll yeah. be about what happens to my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm tilted by the cocksuredness that folks have about the Mac Jones thing. Like if you mock Mac Jones to the 49ers, like explain to me, but not, but are unwilling to mock him to any other team. Like, are, That's you, what I'm are you legitimately telling me right now that, that the, the San Francisco 49ers, because Kyle Shanahan is so good as a coach, that it makes Mac Jones a better prospect for them than Justin Fields, you are delusional. That, that is that's the, piece, the thing. Like, that's the piece how people pissed forget. are the Falcons if? How pissed are the Falcons? We're ranting at this point. If, by the way, if the Niners take Mac, or if the Niners take Justin Fields, how disappointed are the Falcons? I would say they should be pretty disappointed. Yes, I think the Falcons. The Falcons are in a unique spot where if Mac Jones goes to the Niners, this is a windfall for the Falcons because either they're getting an incredible trade-up, I would assume, or they're taking Justin Fields and you don't get Justin Fields at pick four. You're, all of the garbage that has gone yeah. on for Justin Fields, that chip that will be on his shoulder, you get a guy that is, by the way, just as fucking accurate as Mac Jones, I might add. I've seen some people go, you know, well, Justin Fields isn't that accurate. You haven't watched an Ohio State game. I'm sorry. You have not watched Justin Fields. Justin Fields threw the ball on average two yards further per throw than Mac Jones, and his on-target rate was second to Mac Jones, okay? So don't tell me that he wasn't accurate. Well, it's garbage. I think, like, honestly, if you're the Falcons... Justin Fields going third makes your decision at four a lot easier. A lot easier because because either somebody trades the farm for the fourth quarterback, which is going to be Lance, by the way, which should tell the Niners any you know like the Falcons aren't taking Mac Jones, and and if they don't, you take Pitts, who like is has the potential to offer you surplus value over the average slash replacement tight end for you know that all but like three teams in the NFL have. Which is which is enormous. Like your 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 thought process becomes really difficult if Fields is available. I think I would agree. Um, let's. I apologize for the rant. No, I mean, look, get, look. Get this is this out. is this is this something. is why the draft is interesting, though. Yeah. Like, if you're tuning in, and this is another, this is the last thing I'll say. But if you're ESPN or NFL Network, it behooves the living hell out of you to keep this story going. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that might be, and we've talked about that as a possibility. Um, and that could very well be the case. I mean, like, I, here's a prediction. So both of us uh, sort of have aired on this, by the way. Where do you think this ends up closing? Like, and when I say closing, I don't mean like right before the pick because that, you know, the information will get right, out. Right. You, you mean bef- before? But like, like Thursday morning, we wake up next week. What's the price? I'm not going to sleep on Wednesday night, but um, <laughs> I need my beauty sleep, right? You, you do. Yeah. 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 Um, the bar over there. Oh, man. I think it's pretty flat across the three. I think by the time we get to Thursday, people have accepted the fact that maybe no one knows anything. I don't think the Niners are leaking shit. I don't think John Lynch, I agree with you. That's a very good point that I, I don't think Mike Shanahan is the leak. Cause I don't think Mike Shanahan knows anything. Yeah. I mean, um, 
there's a good track record of John Lynch not saying a fucking Thank word. You. That's what I mean. Like, when the DeForest Buckner trade happened, did you know until it fucking happened? No. no. I, so I'm going to say that I think Mac— When this trade happened, did you know until it right. happened? No. I think Justin Fields is minus 135. I think Mac Jones and Trey Lance are both, like, plus 110, 150. So you think that because Lance has moved up, he was like plus one seventy five a day or two ago when Fields but, was still the favorite. Yeah, but I then guess he's moved back. That wouldn't make sense from the books' perspective, though. I guess. Yeah. So you say Fields minus one thirty five, Jones. Let's say I mean I would say Jones is like plus one ten. Yeah. Okay. And then and then Lance is plus two seventy five. See, yeah, I guess that's that's me saying that I want to start the Lance syndrome yeah, yeah, because, I mean, like, I just think if you're if you believe that there is a chance they take Justin Fields, you should believe there's pretty close to that chance that they take Trey Lance. Yeah, you know? and Trey Lance, by the way, two plus three fifty on DraftKings, plus two ninety other places. Like there, there's there's probably uh, there's probably reason to bet it. By the way, my supermodel analogy, DraftKings Sportsbook, new um, spokesperson, Giselle Bunchen. I heard that. Yeah, so we're working with Giselle at, at PFF. So do you think, which is the bigger grift post, uh, post, post, like, is it, is it, uh, is TB12 going to be like? Let me tell you the biggest miss that TB12 has had and why I'm not sure. Like I, I need. I think Tom Brady has the best PR group on mm -hmm. the planet. Just look at his Twitter and, and Instagram. Them not having a tequila ready for that Super Bowl parade, so that when Tom Brady tweeted out, like, just had a little too much yeah, tequila, yeah. they couldn't immediately yeah, yeah. throw their new tequila brand yeah, out yeah. there. That was their biggest miss they've had so far. So my guess, my guess would be that he expands in that direction. Like, I don't know that it's an alcoholic beverage, but like it just, it expands at a much faster rate. Whereas like Giselle is just so classy because you have all these, like the, the, the new trend in sports betting or, or like all these, like these women that are like, you know, shilling for books. And she's just like, I'm going to go to the best, you know, I'm going to go to the most notable one right away. Like she just goes straight to the front of the line. Dude, the, <laughs> the funny thing is that in football, you know, we, Tom Brady is obviously the pinnacle of success and superstardom. And like Giselle Bunchen is on a different level than Tom Brady worldwide. It's crazy. Money wise, yeah. I mean, dude. So, anyways, that that's been our um, that's our pop culture talk for the day. Okay, let's do a little. The podcast actually starts at whatever time it is. Right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, look, there are people that are invested in the syndicate, and we need to give them an update. We need to give them an update. It's been an emotional roller coaster. If I if I had my car right now, I would. Um, we don't want. Yeah, I would. Did you lose it in a bet or? No, no, no. Like I, I Ubered here. By the way, Justin Fields under three and a half. This might be what you want to bet. Plus one eighty four uh, at a at a at mm. a book I just noticed here. Um, that's a, that's a good one. Um, Lance Lance under six and a half minus one forty four. So there are some interesting ones here. Like I I've hedged a little bit with some Lance, um, but not exactly Lance at three. I've hedged with under and um, some Lance before Fields. Uh, plus money, but like there, but to go full on just Lance exact a three is it might be the next venture. Let's say we're going to get to the draft props here in just a second. After that, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields rant. 
but before we do, we got to tell you where you can actually bet on them. And that's at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. They have so many draft props up there. It's it's like Christmas morning. But they also have an opportunity for you to get uh, some money in your bank account. And that's betting on Masvidal Usman. Uh, this weekend, if you bet $5 on either fighter and they win, you will get paid out $130. So pretty good odds. So take your shot. $5, use promo code PFF when you sign up to get that offer, and then take that $130 before the draft and spread it around on some props. It'll be a lot of fun. If you're not into MMA, it's okay. They've got everything, basketball, hockey, obviously the draft props, NFL futures. So go to DraftKings Sportsbook, download the app, use promo code PFF when you sign up, bet those $5 on either fighter, win that $130. It is a limited time offer, obviously, so you better go make it happen. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania only. It's for new customers. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, it is uh, never too early to start drafting best ball. And underdog fantasy, I must say, is probably the best place to do it. If you like fantasy football, you're going to like it way more when you get to play best ball drafts for money. So go to underdog fantasy, download the app. The app is pretty sweet. Um, and if you use the promo code PFF, you will get a free, a free Edge annual subscription. That gets you a draft guide. And all you have to do is deposit $10 at Underdog Fantasy. Get a free NFL draft guide. So go make it happen. Use promo code PFF at the Underdog Fantasy app. And now, start some draft props. Let's talk about a few of these um, draft props really quickly. Uh, there's some top five and top 10 um, odds on DraftKings Sportsbook yeah. right now. Um, so top five, is there anyone that piques your interest? I don't know that there are for me, but I'm curious about your stance. Uh, top five, I mean, so this is different than when Austin and I were discussing it on the the, the Periscope. Sewell was plus 110. Now he's minus 125. I think that's probably fair. Plus 110 was a nice get if you got it during our, our stream. Um you know, Fields, Fields minus 200 just seems like a lock to me. I don't know. Like, how does Fields fall out of the top 10 or out of the top five? You would have to believe the consensus in the league is that, like, what teams in the league look for. I mean, is it the epilepsy the thing? Is it the bull? Is that, is it that Stop. bullshit? Like, Stop. I, if that's it, man, holy Jesus. There's a team. The nice thing about this for Justin Fields and the reason that I, don't feel I'm not more mad than I currently am is that he's going to get an opportunity if you know teams pass on him to maybe go to a really great situation with yeah. a huge chip on his shoulder and just yeah. fuck the league up I mean these I these want. ones have humongous hold like which is why I don't see but the one that we did talk about look Justin Fields has epilepsy and uh Mac yeah, Jones yeah. likes to drink and drive which one would you rather have yeah the one that we bet the other day that was that um that has moved significantly. Remember, we had Waddle at minus 112 to be picked ahead of Devontae Smith. He's now minus 137. So I think that that has moved on. This is how silly this shit is, though, by the way. Devontae Smith being 166 instead of 170. Wait, right? Like, yep. you know, that that's Ridiculous. how, like... So I have a, um, I have a top... The top five, I, I think I would bet... I think I would bet Kyle Pitts minus 150 top five. I find it, I do think that the Bengals are much closer to taking an offensive weapon, either Pitts or Chase. 
Um, Chase is minus 125. So you could, you could, I think either of those would be interesting to me. Like, I have a hard time seeing them take uh, Chase over Pitts, but yeah. it may come down to the Joe Burrow just wants <clears throat> Jamar Chase thing. Um, By the way, that's where you can shop around because right now, under five and a half for him is minus 159. So you do get a better price with a top five the market top than five. you do with his over under market. Um, what about top 10? Um, here's one in the top, and I, t- I wrote about this when I talked about top defender taken. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I like, like Parsons plus 110. Like, I, like there's going to be some team that like tries to be freaking tough. The, the Detroit Lions? Yeah, and take yeah. a linebacker at seven. Um, because at, with Sertan at minus 200, you're getting, I don't think you're getting good value there. You, you know, you might as well just bet him to be the first defender taken. Um, I like Parsons a but lot. But Parsons at 110. But the thing is, is so if you look at um, pick by position, so you look at defense, Parsons is plus 300 to be the first defender taken. So that's probably even just a better bet anyway. Because if he goes seven to Detroit, you win, probably win first defender. Sertan minus 125 to be the first defender. That's a better bet than Sertan minus 200 be a top 10. I think like there, you, know, you shop around there, you get a better number. Najee Harris, 16 to one. Well, I did make a Najee Harris, but I have a Najee Harris under 29 and a half. 30 and a half. And if you look, there's another book that has him under 28. Well, you got 30 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's no The Buffalo Bills. Because the Bills are sitting at 30. Um, so I, was, I wanted to talk about some of the draft position. By the way, to close out the top 10, I, I like Micah Parsons uh, plus 110. I also like Rashawn Slater minus 150. I think the biggest, the best bet I got was um in some of the i also took one more than more than 0.5 running backs at minus 220 that's now minus 305 i I, if you look at the markets harris when you look at uh fanduel is 28 and a half even and etienne is 32 and a half a little bit shaded towards the over okay so etienne on DraftKings is 34 and a half under is minus 112 and that is one that I like a lot because some dumb team is going to pick him first but can pick. I also yeah I also think that he is the like I would take him so first off I've talked we've talked to this already I would take Javante Williams before either of these two guys but I would certainly take Travis Etienne ahead of Najee Harris like Najee Harris ran behind a phenomenal offensive line I'm not saying he's bad or anything I'm just saying like how I would how I would rank them um and you look at the Steelers are a prime candidate, a prime candidate. And the Bills, interestingly, so I want to ask you this. If the Bills take a running back here, remember we did our smartest organizations? Yeah, yeah. Like, where, what would that do for you? Because I think it, it would be them. It would be uh, religion-altering, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I think it has the potential to move the Browns into number one in my smartest NFL teams. I Browns and old Browns and new Browns are both my my top 2. Ravens and Browns are 1 2 for me. I think Buffalo's 3. I could be on board with leapfrogging what, what Buffalo. What about Miami? My if Miami trades the 6 pick, dude. I, I, <laughs> we're going to talk about trades here in yeah. a second. Um some other draft positions we talked about the two um uh, running backs. Here's an interesting one. Elijah Vera Tucker's at 15 and a half. And that's Over moved down since earlier this week. Yeah. So people love him. So 15 and a half. So the Patriots are sitting there at 15, um, which I do think is interesting given 
their what their moves have been this offseason, right? If they're going like too tight end, we need a great offensive line, we're going to run the shit out of the ball kind of deal. Um, that could be it. But you look at these other teams and you go, okay, the top 10, you maybe top 12, like, do you think the Eagles would take him? I Maybe. Um, you then look at, at, uh, at 13. I don't see him going to the Chargers. Are, are your Vikings looking for an interior offensive lineman at 14? Like, I think, I think some team trades up for him. Really? Yeah. Like, I wow. think, I so think you you're going to go get under. Here's the thing. Here's the paradox in the, here's the paradox in this draft. There are a lot of offensive linemen, but there are two tiers in the first round that I think, that I believe make teams trade up for them. So I think it's Sewell, Slater, Derrishaw, Tucker. I think the bottom three of those guys, there's going to, like, there's even a chance that if Sewell falls, like the Chargers trade up for him and mm. pair him with Justin Herbert, right? They've been like actively talking yeah. about this. Um, I think Derrishaw is, I, I have a good projection on him. Vera Tucker, teams love him. I, I think there's going to be a trade up and then there's going to be like a five pick window where like, okay, now we get to like the other guys. And then there's the second round where there's like a dearth every single year. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's going to be, um, I, I do think there's going to be a run on offensive lineman from pick like eight until 15 or so. And it might not be the teams that are sitting there. It might be like a, a trade back with every team, but the giants, cause they don't trade back. What is your, here's one other one um, that I thought was interesting was Trayvon Morig, who is our top safety. And I think is you know drastic favorite to be the first safety yeah, taken. Yeah, pretty widely the the top safety minus four hundred. We sort of always see safety value; it's depressed throughout the league. We just did an all analyst mock draft that comes out not for like another week, but giving you some inside information here. And he lasted a while. Like I I was drafting for the Bills, and I almost took him at thirty. I ultimately did not and kind of regretted it because I thought he was the best player and like who cares if you play three safeties kind of thing mm -hmm. um, but I kind of think over 26 and a half like I just feel like teams are going to not see the value in spending a first round pick on a safety yeah I mean it's just a position where scarcity is not that prevalent right so mm -hmm. then you, you get suppressed markets there um, you know the, the bet that, that you might want to make then by the way um, if you look at, you know, uh, first round totals, you know, safeties under 0. 0.5 is 190. Like mm. you might want to take the under on that. Um, I think that, it, I think it's less likely that a safety's taken in round one than a, than a running back. I agree. I Sad agree state that. of affairs, but. You do hate to see it. Um, there are two. Which by the way, a derivative of that, by the way, is also. 18 and a half offensive players overs plus 101 if you're of that belief that running back right, might go you should take the but a defender like safety won't go for that by the way justin fields to the falcons plus 300 trey lance to the broncos uh sorry trey lance to the niners is uh we already talked about this plus 350 but to the patriots plus 400 they're the third most likely team to draft trey lance I think that is interesting. That is noteworthy. I, I believe they'd have to trade up for it. 
Um, I would say, and so let's, let's go ahead and start talking about this. Some of the likely trades, one that I was thinking about was, okay, Flores in Miami, former Patriot, could the Patriots and the Dolphins get something done where the Patriots get up to six, draft Trey Lance, Dolphins move back, they you know keep acquiring all this draft capital, maybe they have enough to move back up a few spots if they want to. Um, that's one that makes some sense to me. I do think that the Trey Lance to New England thing makes sense, not just because Palazzolo likes it. Do you think that the Dolphins are going to play nice with them, though? I think it's one of those things where it's not about playing nice, like Dimitrov said. Thomas Dimitrov was on our podcast a couple weeks ago, or a couple episodes ago, you should check it out, where he was like, look, no one's trying to rip anyone off. It's all about, you know, just yeah. like trying to make a, a fair deal. Now, I know they're like in the division, and you know, normally you wouldn't expect that to happen. Yeah. But I think because they have a relationship, they'll at least be able to get on the phone and it could work, you know, works out for both parties. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's one. So, so one and two, um, I wanted to have this conversation with you. Are you willing to change the order one and two? Cause we had Lawrence one in our previous mock draft. We had Wilson two. There wasn't a ton of conversation there between the two of us my math our mathematical projection is better for wilson than it is lawrence like and and even after you adjust for draft position which is negligible between the two at one and two um i think it i do trust the scouting community a certain amount but if i had to if i had to, like i think wilson has I think you're, you're I, I, I think Wilson could be a special player, more special than Lawrence. Yeah, because I I want to come back to the conversation that we had in um, God I forget what month it was, but it was the Fields Lawrence conversation, and we were both I I would take Justin Fields out of Trevor Lawrence, and I want to know what happened this year where that we haven't even had that conversation you know like what do you think it was because i always like to credit i always like to think that we are we do a good job of not falling prey to narrative and leveraging the numbers that we have it just feels that just feels wrong to me well i think i think here's the thing i think that um i i look i think lawrence this sounds weird but i think lawrence didn't have any very extremely notable games well okay for one we have been anchored on this position that trevor lawrence is the is the player to have here mm -hmm. for basically what since january of 2019 is is the, that's been the thing right so it would have had to, to take like a significant amount to move us off of that and last year, we tiptoed around this idea that Fields could be better, right? Mm -hmm. um, Fields lost a highly contested game to Clemson. And Trevor Lawrence played a poor game against LSU's defense, which wasn't particularly good in the title game. That was the one hiccup. He had some interceptions at the beginning of the year. This past year, he never really had a game where you looked at that game and you're like, Holy shit, he was bad. Mm -hmm. He only had one game with under 60% completion. He never had more than one interception in a game. And I think here's the kicker as well. He missed time with COVID. And when he missed time with COVID, 
they lost a game to a team that he later like beat the shit out of right, right. later in the season. And so like this is sort of when like we were teachers and we say you have an you start the class with an A and all you can do is lose that A, right? And I don't think Trevor Lawrence ever lost the A, if that makes sense. Like, they lost a game. I think everybody looks at that title game in 20, uh, January of 20, and says, oh, Clemson lost that game because LSU's offense just it was just drilling people back then. And then, so that, so that, and then this year, like, he didn't play. Against Ohio State, he was 33 of 48 for 400 yards, 8.3 yards in attempt, two touchdowns. Like, he played like statistically a fine game and everybody's like football is a team sport. So like that's, but then when you look at, when you look at fields, fields legitimately had the Indiana game where they were three touchdown favorites, I believe got ahead by that much. And he threw three interceptions and Indiana covered that spread. Michael Penix Jr. played better than him. And then they had the big 10 title game when he legitimately played poorly. And that was the game where the reason why he played poorly was actually fairly apparent, which was that Northwestern plays a modern NFL defense very well. Chris Olave, who's one of the best wide receivers in college football, sat. And so then the question was, okay, you perturb his system a little bit. How does he play? And he did play terribly. So then people are like, oh, he lost his A. And when that happened, like a week later, because of the way the bowls were so shrunk, Zach Wilson plays against UCF in the bowl game and absolutely shreds. And I think that the confluence of all those things happening made us think, okay, Lawrence, Lawrence went nowhere. And now it's this random comparison between Wilson and Fields and Wilson, you know, and then, so then when he, came, when he crushed Lawrence in Lawrence's team in the, in the tie, in the semifinal game, we, we were so, anchored on our prior that I just don't think it moved him up as much as it should have. That was there a more impressive performance th than what Fields did against Clemson in that game with broken ribs? No, I mean he was I don't he think was amazing. So. I mean, he was amazing. <laughs> I don't look, it, quarterbacks are going to have bad games. If you want to ascribe every negative to Justin Fields based on that one game, then I think you've got to do that with a lot of other quarterbacks. And Trevor Lawrence had multiple games where he graded below the grade that Justin Fields had in that Northwestern game. Yeah. And but look, I'm not saying that the PFF grading is the per literally the perfect thing, but it's a hell of a lot better than box score data. That's why it's that's why we use it. In the right? Northwestern game, Fields had one turnover worthy throw and he had two interceptions. So like that's normally the one is normally higher than the other and it was flipped. He did have in the game against Indiana where he threw three interceptions. He was 18 of 30 for 300 yards. He averaged 10 yards a pass attempt. He just turned the ball over a few times. I believe some of them were tipped, although three of his plays were turnover worthy. 42% um, of his turnover worthy plays came in that Indiana game. Um, Indiana, no slouch, by the way, a very good Big Ten team this past year. I, I, yeah, I mean, and then in the title game, he wasn't great, you know, but they were facing Alabama, who's going to have five, five and a half first round picks this year. He, he wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about six yards. I mean, he graded well, but he didn't have you're, a lot, lot of help gonna, in that game. You're not going to get me on yards per fucking attempt in college. Like, you know, it's 2021. Yeah. No, I mean, look, but then I think that, 
you know, and I all and and look, I think a lot of things stunt us when we evaluate talent in that we also I don't think he's as how do what's the word? When I think of Zach Wilson, I think of like I think I'm not going to use the word twitchy, but I think like he's springy with Do the you have past. A twitchy mind. That's that's yeah, what yeah. that's Mac the new Jones one, by the way. What are we going to invent? What's the thing we're going to invent next week about how Mac Jones is good? Because we have spring, a twitchy mind. I'm not uh, an elastic waist. Um, Jesus. Okay, but but look, okay. So look, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to debate this a little more because I'm not ready to just go Lawrence Wilson. Like if you and I were the GMs of the team. Drafting in that spot, I think we would have to really have a debate. Here, here's one thing that I'll say about Lawrence that I was very impressed with when I looked at his data. He does not elicit. He does not surrender pressure that much. Like the one knock on Fields is that like a significant proportion of the pressures that he undergoes are his fault, and he takes sacks and, and scrambles on a significant fraction of those. That's one place where Lawrence, I think, is really elite in the pocket, and to the degree that his, to the degree that we can count this because of the schedule they had, so was Wilson. So I do think, I do think there's there is a case to be made to have those two over fields. Yeah. There is not a case, and that, that's again where I think about when I look at the consensus, I'm willing to shuffle Wilson one, in either direction. I'm willing to put him first. And I think I'm willing to put Wilson third. And I think like I'm willing to shuffle any of them in one one direction, you know, one spot in either direction. So like I think I don't think Lawrence I can pick him third, but I can pick him second behind Wilson, I think. Like I you know, that's kind of my Okay, let me ask you a question. But I, I anchor to the market more than maybe some people would, would prefer. I don't know. Would you This is an interesting one. Okay. I think of the Lawrence Fields comparison as very similar to Russell Wilson versus Andrew Luck. Which one of those guys would you rather have? Uh, Assuming both were playing. Wilson. Um, yeah, yeah. Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck. I would still. So if, if Andrew Luck was healthy, I'd still – Take luck. I'd still take luck. I think I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's I that to me, so I think Fields, it's hard for me to say Fields is like better than Russell Wilson. He's a far better athlete. But I think Sage made a great point about the way that he plays the game. Russell Wilson invites pressure on himself, he takes way too many fucking sacks, throws a beautiful deep ball, he's incredibly accurate. He's he's a pretty good athlete. Fields is an elite athlete. And then the luck Lawrence thing is really it's it's beautiful, right? Both of them get it. They read defenses. They can make any throw. They're the quintessential perfect quarterback. So I think that's the way that I would break it down. Okay, let's move on. Try and run through these kind of quickly here. Okay, so are we going Lawrence? We're going in some in some order. You'll have to read the article on Monday. Yeah. Uh, Wilson, Lawrence, Fields, top three, which brings us to four with the Atlanta Falcons. Yep. So here's the thing: if I can't trade this pick, and I'm Atlanta, I take Pitts. I'm with you. Um, but I, I try my dearest to trade this pick. So let's think about the teams that would be interested in trading. Okay, not Cincinnati, not Philadelphia. Uh, sorry, not Cincinnati, not Miami. Yeah. Um, Detroit could be, but I wouldn't. Detroit I wouldn't. Detroit. But here's the thing with Detroit. Here's the, here's the interesting thing about Detroit. 
they have the capital because they tr- they got they got rid of Stafford. Like they they would, and maybe they're going to use it next year. Maybe you know, and, and you know, uh, I think this was like uh, Darius and Lindsey Rhodes were, were on Twitter today talking about they're not good enough to take a quarterback. Like their argument was build the build. You know, if the if you build it, the quarterback will come. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that in that they're so bad that they're like not like one draft class away from like having a system that a quarterback can succeed in. What are the chances of them getting a better quarterback with next year's draft than Trey Lance? Yeah, I think that that's dangerous thinking sometimes though because of where Burrow was last year in 19, uh, Wilson. Um, But you're right. I mean, like right now, where it stands right now, it's Spencer Rattler, uh, uh, Howell from um, North North, North Carolina, um, maybe Brock Purdy, but he's I mean, Brock Purdy is like where Mac Jones was last year, for fuck's sake. So, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Detroit could use it, right? Because Detroit has capital that Atlanta could really use, right? Like, Atlanta, my, my take on Atlanta is Atlanta, if they get a Randy Moss type player at four, they can compete. If they get anything else, Right, like they're kind of where they always have been. Where they're, if you can pray that their defense holds up and their offense plays great and they can contend. Otherwise, there's not one player at four other than maybe Pitts or a quarterback that changes the complexion of their franchise. I, I just don't see it. I do think the separation between Pitts and Chase is interesting, um, and and I I don't disagree with it. Like I think Chase is the number one receiver, but I don't know that he's. Pitts at least has the chance to be kind of a transcendent player in the way that Moss was transcendent. Now, he's not Randy Moss, obviously. But um, that's, I think, and and I'm with you there. So let's say no team is moving up to four for Trey Lance. So we've got Kyle Pitts at four. I'm with you there. Number five, got Cincinnati here. And I'm curious to hear what you're going to do. Yeah, by the way, this changes our original mock. I'm more of the thinking now that if you want a wide receiver at four, you should trade back because it's so flat between yep. Chase, Waddle, Smith, probably that order. Um, five, I think, okay, I want I want your opinion on this. So part of me says, so right now it sounds like Chase is the favorite here. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have, if you're the Bengals, I'm not talking about if you're a team with an elite quarterback, but you're the Bengals and there's still a lot of uncertainty surrounding Joe Burrow. Would you rather have... Sewell and one of the secondary receivers at pick 37? Or would you rather have Chase and one of the secondary tackles at 37? This is a super interesting question. And this is the team that I think really should look to trade down. And the reason that I would look to trade down is that, as you said, it's pretty flat. And if I get, if I trade down, so let's say you trade down with Denver. For example, let's say Denver needs to get in there to get Trey Lance. You're getting still a really good receiver or a really good tackle, depending on who's left. And you pick up another out with another one of those players. So no one is really talking about it. But if I were Cincinnati, I would be looking to solicit some Well, and I think no one's talking about it because Duke Tobin, their their GM, de facto GM, was basically like, we're not. He's we're, not doing it. We're not. We're just going to do it. But he yeah. ain't doing it. But I'm I, saying that I would now. Because I. Because do you think the difference between Sewell and Slater is enough to to forego 
the opportunity cost of trading? I no, don't. No, absolutely not. And, and I think it's what we talk about all the time, which is like your best asset in the draft is your humility. Now, yeah. th they're going to sit there and they're going to take the player. So I have really struggled with this. I, I simply believe that, and the math will back this up, is that the average offensive tackle the elite offensive tackle, the difference between the two in terms of what it does for your offensive line. We just talked about how much a quarterback has the impact on how much pressure is allowed to him. It's not big enough for you to try and take the transcendent tackle. And they have Riley Reef, they have Jonah Williams. What they really don't have right now is a dynamic receiving core. They simply do not. Yeah, I think, I think Higgins is like a... Higgins, Higgins, Higgins is a nice number three option. Is, yeah, I mean, Higgins can be like a, this is a blast from the past, but Higgins can be like a Jake Reed who will get you a thousand yard seasons, but you never want him to be your one. I mean, look at look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiving cords here. You know, like yeah. that that's what it takes to, to but win. But even if Higgins is Mike Evans, like I don't He's even think Mike that that's... Evans. Well, but if he is, I don't even think that's enough. Was it ever enough for Tampa? But I'm saying he's not. My my point is that he's he's nowhere near Mike Evans. Let's yeah. be clear. Yeah, but he, but the, I'm I'm sort of trying to to further your to, point. You're trying to make a comp. I'm saying that where is T Higgins in the pecking order of the Tampa Bay Bucks wide receivers? Yeah. Well, fourth. Yeah, I'm I'm more making the case that even if he he becomes the best version of himself, it's still Mike Evans, who while a tremendous player and probably you know could be a Hall of Famer one day, like that offense in Brady's first year is not doing what it's doing without yeah. Godwin, without Brown. I can't believe that you're saying that T. Higgins has Mike Evans in him somewhere. I like T. Higgins, but that's just – Mike I, Evans is fine. I think he, I think it's a type. Like, I think it's sort of – Yeah, but his his ceiling is nowhere near that. Okay, well, then that – so then we're going with Jamar Chase here with pick five. Okay, have six. I won you? But, and to be, to be perfectly clear, I don't have the greatest confidence – that as I do with Sewell being better than Slater, that Chase is necessarily better than everyone else. They should they should try to. I mean, that, the, and that's the, why I would trade down. The Bengals don't have enough. Um, I don't think they have enough good players to really be just picking at five. Because um, because that that's like the thing. If you draft a quarterback high and you still end up picking high the following year, you should be trading down to accumulate the the you know yes. like. But the, the, my issue with, is with Burrow is, like, where has Burrow had the most success? He's had the most success in empty five-man protection. And it's harder to scheme around a Jonah Williams that way. Now, Jonah Williams is a top 15 pick, so I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. But that, that's where – so I'm – if like, I, I said this to somebody the other day. If it's Mahomes, the answer is clear. It's Chase plus – my me at left tackle. If it's like Garoppolo, Burrow, somebody who has oh, like less pocket don't awareness, you dare. then then I think Burrow it's has good. You don't think Burrow has good pocket awareness? I think his pocket awareness is uncertain at this point. Okay, um, I'm going to give him more pocket awareness credit than that. Um, but you could also make the argument that whereas he had the most success at LSU with Jamar Chase yeah, yeah, as for one sure. of his receivers yeah. and an offensive line that was way overrated. If you go, the offensive line did not produce the NFL players that the skill positions did, for sure. No. Um, but but at the but again, the the issue with Cincinnati might end up being that they just need a new 
person calling the plays. Like, like ultimately, I think that this decision might elicit change. It might elicit change quickly. Joe Burrow said all the right things on the podcast <laughs> with Chris. He's all in on Zach Taylor. He thinks they're going to be special. Good for him. So you cannot – it would be very hard for me to give anyone the time of day if they said they didn't like Joe Burrow. If you're ranking like most universally likable people in the NFL, Joe Burrow is high on I'm that I'm rooting list. for him. That's Who for sure. isn't is my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe Miles Brennan. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like I, yeah, I, I don't generally know. don't know. Like this, everyone in the world is rooting for Joe Burrow. Okay, six. We have the Dolphins. The Dolphins, like everybody made fun. Like they, I think they're trading this pick. And the, we had YouTube comments. Why are the why is PFF so obsessed with? Because I like to see smart football. Like trading this pick. Who trades up? I think it's Denver. Okay, I, I think that there's an outside shot the Patriots do it. To me. Denver is the most likely team. The question is, do they see enough reason to make that move? In other words, are they spooked enough by either New England trading up, another team trading up, or Carolina slash Detroit taking Lance? But I think there's enough plausible deniability in Miami taking Lance that that's, the, what, that's a reason enough. I don't. I, Miami is not taking Trey Lance. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Yeah. In my worldview, where the Miami Dolphins are an ascendingly smart team, they leave that they leave that opportunity open. They, they at least are smart enough to make Denver think so. Yes. Okay. So Denver trades up, and Denver selects Trey Lance. And at seven, Detroit, Micah Parsons. <laughs> no, this is sorry. This is what we well, would. This do. is what we would yeah, do. Yeah. I think seven is maybe. Do you well? So here's the thing: Detroit is an absolute dumpster fire at wide receiver. So you I, wide receiver, like it's not even a discussion. Is, like you don't okay, even take I, Sewell I've been, here. I've been meaning to ask you though: like, what is if you're Detroit? What are we trying to get? Done Detroit here? was like my my beer the other day. It was it was you know what, you, what, you what could do anything with here? it because look, I'm not. I don't think I'm selecting Mac Jones here. Um, I don't know that any team wants Mac Jones bad enough to trade up. Now, maybe they do, in which case, good opportunity to trade down. Um, I, don't think there, I don't think that there's any way that Detroit thinks they can win in 2021. So Don't tell Dan Campbell that. If, like, this is a culture year for Detroit. So you think they're Big staying time. at seven? No, I think that they... I think that they should be thinking of trading back. The only who issue wants is to trade up, right? So somebody who wants somebody who thinks one of these receivers is special, which is less so. But I, I think it's the Los Angeles Chargers that trade up to seven I, and I take Nate Sewell. Yeah, I don't think it's the wide receivers. I think it's the tackle. Yeah, but I, but that's not what we would do. Like I'm not trading. Right. But here's if the thing. I'm LA we're and I'm at thirteen, to, I'm not. We're trying to predict the trades that will happen so that we can make the picks we, we would, would make. But I would not do that. Like right. I would if I was Denver, I would make the trade with with Miami and if I was Miami, I'd certainly take the trade. Okay. But like what I do think 7 and 8 are places where both Carolina and Detroit are not ready to contend this year and one of those teams Minnesota's another one which like absolutely needs a tackle cuz Kirk Cousins like somehow is a grown adult but can't protect himself in the pocket Stop. or you know 
the the Chargers have been snake bitten by offensive line for years. Like I think those two teams would move up for those for that position. Like if you're Detroit though, you're so bad at wide receiver. You stay at this position. You stay at seven. Like no one wide receiver is making you a contender this year. I agree. But no one tackle ever does. But a tackle at that spot might be part of. A, I, I I still think it's I feel still think it's Waddle here. If I'm picking, you're taking Waddle. I'm taking Waddle. Man, I could see. Like I think there are situations where Jalen Waddle could be the rookie of the year, and there are situations where he looks like Henry freaking Ruggs. But like, but he never, but he never showed Ruggsiness. No, no, I'm not saying like, I'm just saying because of the environment that he gets. Oh, put in. sure, but that's, but the, but I'll say this: Henry Ruggs didn't bust in the year one in in Las Vegas because of situation. He busted because of who he is. Sure. Like the Raiders actually had a functional offense last year. It's just that they can't draft a def- like. They would have been better off defensively drafting you instead of Jonathan Abrams and Stop. me instead of Clell and Farrell. Like, this is a great one for people, <laughs> by the way. Um, Trevor Lawrence will be the highest uh, drafted Clemson player since Cleland Farrell. <laughs> I've been watching That's old drafts. That's a group that I want to be. I've in. been watching old drafts on YouTube, and I gotta say they are hysterical. Dude, the draft is an inc- <laughs> it's an absolutely incredible event. Um, Okay, I can get on board with Waddle as our dual GM situation, although I would certainly be trying to trade down. Would you, uh, yeah. Do you think the Patriots would would look to trade not to, out? Not for Mac. Dude, Belichick, I could be wrong. Kiss of death. Belichick's not trading up for Mac Jones. He'll wait and see if he's there. That's why, I mean, dude, all this stuff could get a, a greater than 0% chance that all this Justin Fields nonsense is being planted by Bill. Like, that dude's not trading up for Mac Jones. Like, he's trying to get Sam Fran to, to trap Mac Jones. God, that would be like, what sweet payback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, it, man. If he gets that done and, like, there's a 30 for 30 out there, <sighs> shit. Okay, Jalen Waddell, I can get on board with that. Eight, the Carolina Panthers. Um, So... Devontae Smith might not be the pick here. I don't think he is. Cameron Irving is not keeping them from taking Panay Sewell. No. But I'll, I'll say this. They lost James Bradbury. They, Sertan could be the pick here. The problem is, is the problem is, so the, the, Sertan's an okay pick here for the same reason Okuda was an okay pick for Detroit. Because Detroit wasn't picking Okuda to be the difference maker. They were picking him to be a collect part of the collective that ended up being good. And Okuda was garbage last year, but that doesn't really matter. If Okuda ends up being a good corner in two years from now, that'll be a successful pick because that defense will have grown out of the Patricia nonsense, right? Sertan doesn't have to be great for Carolina this year because Carolina is not going to be very good. But he can grow into being like a player that you know, as part of a useful defense. That's why I don't hate the pick there. Whereas at 10 to Dallas, like he's going to have to be like yeah. the, the expectations for him are going to be such that. I think I would take, I think I would take Sewell here as much as I, I value corners. But you have Anderson, you have, you did lose 
um, Samuel, but you have Anderson, you have DJ Moore. I think both of those guys are better than the guys that Cincinnati have. I, to me, it's just a, a matter of especially paying one versus the other, you know, like the rookie salary. I think you get more yeah. value out of – you do get more value out of the tackle. Me checking the so. Mac Jones uh... – um, okay, we've been rambling on for a little bit, so you'll have to check out the mock draft on Monday when we actually figured out all. So we got eight picks. We got through eight picks. Had through eight picks, and we talked about some trades, and we ranted about the Justin Field stuff. Um, and that was our show. We'll have Evan Silva on Sunday. We appreciate you guys hanging out. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. See you.